0: Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into this Stacker Chat. My name is Tina Abrams. I'm an early employee with the Stacks Project, and I'm joined by Muni Bali, co-founder of Stacks. Thanks for being here, Muneeb.
1: Thanks, thanks for having me.
0: So the Stacks 2.0 blockchain launched earlier this year, and it brings apps and smart contracts to Bitcoin. Um, I'm sure a lot of the folks that are tuning into this are familiar with Muneeb's work, on other channels, on Twitter and Telegram and Discord. Um, but we really wanted to cultivate this channel as sort of more of an informal venue to chat about Stacks and connect with folks in the Stacks ecosystem, um, answer some commonly asked questions. So we're really excited. Um, and I wanted to just thank everyone who submitted questions for this chat. We're going to continue to do this and, and source more questions. So I would love to hear from you. Um, we'll have some info down in the description below the video. Um, but today, I'm really excited to chat with you and I wanted to dive into it and I wanted to talk about Bitcoin. Um, so we're Bitcoiners. I think a lot of the audience are Bitcoiners and folks are coming to Stacks more and more so. I'm um, really interested in sort of the Bitcoin connection. So I'm curious, how did you actually stumble upon Bitcoin first um, and what's been sort of the, the crypto rabbit hole story for Unity?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a trip down memory lane. So I think the, the year is 2013. Um, I was a PhD student at Princeton University. Um, I was supposed to kind of like, you know, uh, work on my thesis. I was supposed to graduate that year, actually. And uh, I was working on a thesis that was in cloud computing. And uh, uh, I almost like had this radical idea of uh, I wanted to try startups and try to commercialize some of the research through startups so i treated like my thesis as like a a backup plan right so i took a leave from the university and the thesis was a backup plan that if what we're trying to do through the startup and trying to commercialize uh, some of the ideas that we were dreaming up so it's me and my co-founder ryan that i met at uh, princeton computer science department as well and the idea was really around building a more secure more private more user-owned internet um, and we were, basically the team came first, and we were uh, trying to hack on different ideas and uh, uh, dreaming up kind of like the architecture of what that internet would look like, what would applications built on top look like, even trying to hack on some of the applications ourselves to see like how, how they can be built. And I remember uh, that we were renting out space. So, so I, I used to live in uh, New York City at that time in Manhattan, and I would commute to Princeton to, uh, to go there. And uh, Ryan Ryan used to live nearby, and we rented out a um, a, a working space uh, in this building in East Village, uh, which was a pretty famous building for New York startups because um, it was the old office of Foursquare, and Foursquare was at that time you know one of the bigger startups that came came out of New York City, and we were working there. And interestingly, uh, one of the other teams that was out of the same uh, office it was, it was kind of like a uh, co-working type location was uh, Sergey from chainlink. So imagine that Stacks and chainlink have their they're starting from literally the same office at the same time uh, in, in New York City and 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 one of the ethereum co-founders was uh, living on the apartment on top of me. he was actually renting it out for for the summer so like, what's the probability that you know ethereum co-founder, Stacks uh, founders and, and Chainlink founders that basically like, you know, within within blocks of each other um, at that time. And at that time, like we were actually like, Brian and I were hacking on our, our ideas for, for next generation internet and building applications and, you know, what these applications would kind of look like. And uh, Bitcoin was just something that um, I think uh, Ryan was very passionate about. Like, and, and uh, we would end up chatting about Bitcoin all the time outside of work, like we would, we weren't hacking on Bitcoin, right? But we would always be like talking about it to the extent that a lot of people around us assume that we are a Bitcoin company and 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 we weren't. Little did we know that we were actually going to become a Bitcoin company uh, moving forward. So a lot of people actually assume that we are a Bitcoin company and that's what we do just because they would hear us talking about it all the time. And I remember that uh, I, I got hooked in when I discovered like the, the peer-to-peer uh, kind of like structure of the Bitcoin nodes and some of the relay network and how messages are delivered. and that's that's kind of like my background like before cloud computing I was, I was working peer-to-peer systems and 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 over there it was it was super fascinating uh, that these ideas are basically what you know the first generation peer-to-peer networks were were built. and then I started seeing the beauty of the uh, the 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 Nakamoto consensus and what it brings. and that was that was I think really uh, pulling me in personally. But at the same time, we started uh, buying Bitcoin as well. Right? And that was, that was fascinating. I remember that uh, when I started buying, the first time I thought about buying Bitcoin was $6. It was actually uh, Zuko's tweet that I still remember. I, I remember seeing his tweet. I was like, I, I know and respect Zuko. I should probably look into this thing as well. And I was just busy and I, I, I kind of missed it. The second time um, was when Ryan was buying. I think Ryan was buying around the same time. And I distinctly remember that I got in when Bitcoin was $90, uh, $90. And then it was going above 100. And when it would go above 100, I'll stop buying. I'm like, it's too expensive. Over 100 is like too expensive. I'm not buying. I'll wait for it to dip. When it will go below 100, I'll buy. Then it will come back again. And, and I think this was before the, the bull run of 20, 2013. And Bitcoin went all the way to something like $1,200 in that bull run. And I think we were just mesmerized, right? Like we were, we were, we were talking to other people who were, uh, who were Bitcoiners, and you know, just learning more about the space. Uh, And I think, I think uh, this is the time when uh, we, uh, basically, at some point, were like, we want to, we want to kind of like work towards like the the idea of a uh, you know more secure internet, Uh, but we really wish that it has something to do with Bitcoin. And, and we're able to put two and two together that actually uh, the, the Bitcoin blockchain actually provides very strong foundations for a truly user-owned internet and it solves a lot of kind of like the decentralization issues of, of, of building uh, kind of like a base of trust and I think that's, that's really where the journey started and we, we started hacking on and the first app like on, on top which would actually inform the architecture of, of, of stacks going forward.
0: So I'm curious, what is the framework that you see for Stacks on top of Bitcoin? Um, how do you talk about Stacks um, in terms of where it sits in the ecosystem of side chains and layered chains? Uh, what's what's your framework there?
1: Yeah, so I do think that um, it doesn't fit into any existing model, and that makes it a little bit more confusing for people, right? So. Is it a layer two system? Is it a sidechain? Is it something else? And I, I, I typically, it's, it's basically, I think of that as a layer one blockchain. And I think the reason why I think of it as a layer one blockchain is that it has layer one type of a mining mechanism. They're independent miners that are mining the blockchain. They have an incentive to keep all the data uh, alive uh, for the stacks blockchain, uh, like all of the smart contract logic, all of the information stored. And, and And these and mining is permissionless, right Like anyone can be a miner, it's fully decentralized. it's not but it has a link to Bitcoin and And the reason for that is uh, that basically the problem we were trying to solve is how can you bring apps and smart contracts to Bitcoin, but you can't modify Bitcoin. right So in some ways it's actually easier to go off and build a separate uh, blockchain or a separate ecosystem because you are starting from scratch, you can design whatever you want to design. But over here, uh, we are working with limitations of Bitcoin, especially the limitations that we can't modify Bitcoin. So we're trying to kind of like connect to it. We're trying to, it's almost like having consensus between two blockchains. I think that's kind of like the unique thing for, uh, for, for our consensus mechanism that it's, it's really consensus between the Bitcoin blockchain and the Stacks blockchain. Um, and I, I think it, 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 that is not typically what a layer two is or a side chain is, right? So I, I think it's, it's almost like its own category, I sometimes describe it as a layer one blockchain that connects to bitcoin like it's kind of like tethered to bitcoin but I must admit that in conversations if someone has a layer two type model or a side chain type model then I will I would relate to them I was like yeah it's kind of like a side chain or a layer two but here are the differences right so I will I will help them expand the the model in their mind and then point out some of the 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 differences yeah.
0: And I'm curious, what do you consider to be sort of unique about stacks that you're not seeing elsewhere in the sort of the Bitcoin ecosystem specifically? So what do you think are some things that are possible on stacks that might not be today on like a rootstock or a liquid model, for example?
1: Yeah. So I I think in general, um, I'm, I'm very supportive of all the different types of approaches that are being taken around Bitcoin. I do think like in general, broadly speaking, uh, the the area of exploring innovations around Bitcoin is far less explored and is in in many ways like undervalued uh, than some of the uh, design space explorations we're seeing in terms of new new layer ones, right? Like there are are so many um, sophisticated teams now that are building new layer ones, they are coming up with their own designs. Most of them are basically proof of stake type chains, right? and they have their own unique differences from each other. Uh, but that, that, that makes proof of stake a much more um, studied and explored design space uh, than the Bitcoin ecosystem. And I, I actually think there's more opportunity in the Bitcoin ecosystem because uh, Bitcoin is like such a large community, such a large uh, uh, amount of capital with Bitcoins, it has such a big brand name. And relatively speaking, like if you just look at you know pure, uh, amount of funding, for example, that went into uh, new layer one projects versus the amount of funding that went into exploring innovations around Bitcoin, I think that the Bitcoin area is actually far less uh, uh, less explored right now. And, and hopefully I would like to see that change. And so for some of the solutions that, that are already exist, like Rootstock or Liquid, uh, at a very high level, I think uh, Rootstock um, is... More positioned as a Bitcoin sidechain, in the sense that there is no new asset needed. Uh, you can actually try to move Bitcoin from uh, from the Bitcoin main chain to Rootstock, and then people can argue like how decentralized or not decentralized it is. But it, it basically uh, uh, follows a merge mining type of a model, uh, relying on hardware modules. And, you know, they have their own uh, security uh, mechanism there, and it tr- it is compatible with EVM. So in terms of Stacks, uh, it, we do have a different asset, uh, the Stacks cryptocurrency, that is used as incentive for miners to come in and find, that is used as incentives for miners to process the blocks and keep a history of the blockchain. So I think that's, that's the first fundamental difference, that having a unique asset actually makes certain things easier, like in terms of incentivizing the right behavior on the network, like why would someone keep a copy of this this blockchain. Why would someone process blocks and come and be a miner? Uh, wh- whereas uh, Rootstock or some other uh, systems like Liquid, for example, is a more federated system. Like you're you're kind of like relying on the federation uh, to for uh, for Bitcoin to come back from from the Liquid chain to the main chain. Right? And that's that's a from a technical perspective, that's a very hard problem to solve. Like the two way peg, and it's the reverse side of the peg that is usually. The harder harder problem. So that's the same thing with Liquid, where you can move your your Bitcoin to uh, Liquid BDC, but then on the way back, uh, you're depending on the federation with like fifteen or so nodes that uh, that that will help you get your Bitcoin back from there. So it's a it's a it's a different model, and and I think like it's great that all these different models are there, like uh, like a, like a federation model versus a uh, merge mine type model versus a uh, more kind of like decentralized mining. And people might have different preferences, like, for example, in stacks, uh, like, a lot of Bitcoiners might have a natural uh, aversion to a new asset, and they will question that, hey, why, why is there a new asset? And then the thing to realize there is that with the new asset, you're actually increasing decentralization, because now this is not a federated system, uh, or it's not a, a merge mine system, it's actually a permissionless fully decentralized system, anyone can be a miner at any, at any point that they want. Right, so there, these I think the best way to think of them as trade-offs, and I'm a big believer in uh, having more optionality for developers. So I do think that uh, stacks, stacks uh, brings that uh, that options, but the stacks blockchain is designed in a very different way, in the sense that uh, because it connects to Bitcoin, right, and mining is is a process that happens like half on the Bitcoin chain and half kind of like on the stacks chain. So there's a very tight. Uh, coupling with the Bitcoin chain, and every smart contract on Stack has native visibility into Bitcoin state. Which means that uh, you know if there's a transaction on Bitcoin, you you can write a smart contract that can execute logic against that transaction natively. Right. So th- this, in my view, is the closest thing to uh, smart contracts directly on the Bitcoin chain, which are which are very hard to uh, implement from a technical perspective, from a bandwidth perspective, from a Expense perspective, because these smart contracts are almost native in the sense that uh, they pick up transactions on Bitcoin, they react to transactions on Bitcoin, and that is a very unique property that Stacks has versus being disconnected uh, from 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 the Bitcoin chain. And we are doing ongoing research uh, on the right path. Like right now, these contracts can react to changes on Bitcoin, but the open question is, can they actually trigger changes on Bitcoin? And I think that would that would actually unlock a lot of uh, lot of new new functionality. And finally, I think the, the third unique thing about, about Stacks is the new programming language, Clarity, which is a decidable language. Uh, so on the Liquid side, you have uh, Simplicity, uh, which like as a rough analogy, like it's more like assembly language, like it's still a, a, a low level language versus a more high level language, like, like uh, Solidity, which resembles JavaScript. Uh, If if people are coming from the the more mainstream uh, uh, kind of like programming area and clarity might uh, might resemble something like Lisp as far as uh, syntax is concerned. But the real true power of the language is in the fact that it's a decidable language and you can have very precise functions, very precise definitions, very precise gas fees and know exactly what the program can and cannot do even before executing it. So in terms of security and precision, uh, is where Clarity really stands out, and that's a that's a big feature uh, for the Stacks blockchain. It's actually, Clarity is actually very tightly coupled with the rest of the, the design of uh, of the Stacks blockchain.
0: Sort of giving some background on the Stacks token and why it was really needed to enable smart contracts.
1: Yeah. So I think the way to think about this is that. Um, like Regardless of the kind of perception a lot of uh, people in the Bitcoin community might have about new types of assets, and I, I sympathize with their criticism because there have been, has been so much hype and speculation around new types of assets. I think the, the thing to understand is that the trade-off that you're making is actually a decentralization trade-off uh, because if, let's say, you don't have the tax uh, cryptocurrency, which is used as gas for smart contracts, then the blockchain becomes some sort of a federation right and 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 people don't have an incentive to run that and you'll have to figure out that what's the incentive why would these people actually run the nodes where they are storing certain amount of data they're doing certain amount of processing because you're you're and you have a bootstrapping problem uh, just like bitcoin was able to bootstrap in a fully decentralized way by incentivizing people to come in and, and plug in their hardware and mine on the network you have a bootstrapping problem that initially in any new smart contract platform you're not going to have a lot of uh, transactions not a lot of transactions volume or gas consumption uh, for transaction fees so why are the miners there and why are they actually mining uh, in the early days in the bootstrapping phase they are mining for the newly minted coins just like they, they did on bitcoin in fact bitcoin even today the bulk of the incentives are in the newly minted tokens and they're not in the transaction fees if you take away the newly minted tokens uh, it's an open question that, you know, what will happen down the road eventually when Bitcoin's supply will, 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 will start uh, going down to zero, right? And, and I think that's the thing that we want to avoid. Like, we want to have a bootstrapping mechanism. We want to have the right incentives. And same for data. Like, we can't shove, like, that much amount of data into the Bitcoin blockchain. And we have experience there, right? Like, we have tried building directly on top of Bitcoin, where we were writing large amounts of data directly in the Bitcoin blockchain, and no one was happy. And and users weren't happy when you have to pay forty dollars or hundred dollars of transaction fee to register a uh, domain name or to do some sort of a transaction with your with your username and so on. And with Stacks, now you can do thousands of transactions, uh, and they all settle to Bitcoin, and you have you're paying very small gas fees because Bitcoin is not being used as gas. You're not making transactions on the on the main Bitcoin chain. And I would say, finally, uh, any smart contract platform. Uh, pretty much needs some sort of a gas payment as incentives, right? Like why would someone, why would a third party process your your computations if you're not incentivizing them with the payment, right? And I feel like again, stemming from the, uh, the resistance that a lot of people in the Bitcoin community have to new assets, I've actually seen attempts where people would go out of their way to come up with a very complicated type of a, a solution just to avoid having a gas token, right? And, and, and that's that's fine. A lot of those efforts are actually not seeing uh, a lot of developer attraction because they're so complicated. So I think there is a complexity trade-off as well, other than a decentralization trade-off that if you remove the token, sometimes your system actually becomes federated instead of being decentralized and open. There is a complexity trade-off that if you try to remove the token, uh, your, your smart contract platform can end up becoming extremely complicated because you're spending most of your effort in actually not having having uh, the simple path of having a gas token where here's a incentive payment, just take the payment and process my my transactions, right? Versus you're trying to do something extremely complicated. And I think that's a that's a big, big, uh, big difference in period often.
0: There's a lot of development within the Bitcoin ecosystem, and it's super exciting to watch developments like Taproot and products like Safio popping up. Um, and I'm just curious, um, how do you see those
1: types of projects and stacks uh, into plane? Yeah, so I think I think both Taproot and CPU are very complementary to what they're doing. Uh, Taproot basically makes uh, more efficient use of space um, for, for on, the, on the Bitcoin blockchain, right? So if you want to do something more complicated, uh, you are actually not, not bloating the Bitcoin blockchain and you can have a smaller uh, footprint uh, and then it enhances certain uh, privacy aspects as well, and both things are very complementary. to what we're trying to do, we are trying to use the Bitcoin blockchain in new, innovative ways. If our our transactions, like the miners are sending, can actually be uh, smaller, uh, right, take less less space and so on, without revealing more information about about what we are doing, I think that's that's generally generally a good thing. And in terms of CPO, it's a very interesting uh, uh, project. People who are not familiar with it, they should follow a Jeremy Rubin and what he's doing. Uh, that's more like a uh, smart contract uh implementation directly on bitcoin like literally on bitcoin and and it is it is meant to be uh almost like state transitions right so you can do multi multi step uh smart contract tra- uh, transactions directly on bitcoin which is super interesting and i think that capability uh in some ways enhances clarity right so clarity is a is a more uh expressive uh smart, modern smart contract language like something that you would expect from you know solidity or uh, some other uh, next generation layer one platform, but having the uh, uh, this 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 script, multi-party script run on the Bitcoin side can actually make some of the clarity contracts more powerful because they can interact with these scripts directly on Bitcoin as well. Right. So your uh, so I would say it fits in a very different type of a uh, design space uh, that is directly on Bitcoin. It is it is a. Uh, and it can directly interact with uh, the type of contracts that can be written on the on the Clarity side, and, and I'm, in general, I'm I'm pretty pretty excited about it. Uh, one point I, I wanted to make in general about you know this idea of um, you know having a new asset like a gas token or not, uh, I've actually seen a tendency in the Bitcoin circles where the end goal of a design, let's say whatever system they're trying to design, right? Uh, let's say the smart contract language, or it is a some sort of a application, or, or 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 whatever. Sometimes the end goal tends to be that hey, look, theoretically you can do this without a token, and here's how. It. And I think that's a little little um, that thinking is a little bit broken in general, right? Because the end goal of, of a system is not that look, I Design something that doesn't require a token. Like, you don't really, you know, great that you design something that doesn't require a token. Is anyone using it, right? It, is, is it gaining traction? Are people incentivized to use that system, right? Because if nobody uses it, then who cares that, that you have kind of like designed something on paper that uh, can theoretically work without a token? And I think sometimes having a new asset both reduces the complexity of the system, right? and gives people the right type of incentives to actually come in and participate. And I think those are two very powerful things to understand that you could run these theoretical paper exercises and and basically have an answer saying that, look, you could do this without a token, but that's that's not gonna go anywhere unless developers and users are actually using these systems. And if the complexity is too high or the incentives are not there to use the system, like these things will remain paper designs, right? So with SACs, for example, uh, one thing that was very encouraging to see is that uh, because of the way the consensus mechanism works, and because of the way that there's a new gas token, uh, we were able to have a, uh, a a POX contract where people could lock up their capital and earn Bitcoin. Like there was a ten percent yield in Bitcoin and so on. And within two months, we went from zero to a billion dollars uh, of total value locked up on the network, which basically means that you know we got the incentives right we designed the right system that miners came in and they started using the system. Uh, Stackers came in and they started locking up their capital and real usage and real traction and momentum uh, is the thing that, that you should be designing your systems for and not designing them to optimize for, Hey, look, my design doesn't have a token and then nobody uses it. And I think you need to ask yourself the question that why is nobody using it? Is it because it's too complex? Is it because it doesn't have the right incentive mechanisms for people to use it? And I think those are much, much more important problems to solve.
0: When do you think that we're going to see more stable coins on stacks and DEXs um, sort of just pointing pointing at more future development and what you're excited about in the ecosystem?
1: Yeah, so I do think we went from... um, uh, There was definitely a a major change that happened in January. And we went from... uh, our master design of the blockchain not being live to the master design now being live. And, and, and for me personally, like, that was just amazing to see. Like Imagine that even back in 2017, uh, when when we started thinking about building, building a blockchain and even had plans for the, the 1.0, which was a very limited design, we were working on clarity. We were working on smart contracts, and that was the thing that we wanted to see. And now finally, having the public infrastructure ready and fully decentralized and uh, and so that developers can use it is a very exciting time. And over the last few months, I've actually seen so many teams that I'm excited about who are building these new types of of applications like uh, automated market makers, uh, stable coins, uh, these types of meta stacking uh, abilities where the stacking obviously now, got close to a billion dollars lot. People are working with new types of uh, functionality where you could potentially stack and do something else with, with with the capital that you have, and I think that's a that's an entire category of applications that that has legs that can uh, go a long way. And people are uh, trying to look into uh, lending applications, and and they're at various various stages of development. And I don't want to kind of like you know. Uh, uh, basically talk about uh, conversations that are more private and surprise people that I publicly talked about their project when they were not ready. I think I did that recently with uh, someone built a tool for um, clarity contracts. It's called claritysearch.dev. There's a bar in the middle. And um, I tweeted about it and the, and the then the site crashed, right? And then the developer was like, hey, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to share it with the world. And I I was adding more features. So I definitely don't want to do that with some of the projects that are being built. But I can share this much that I'm I'm super excited about all the work that these developers are doing. I think we have a very passionate community, like where people who are able to put two and two together that, hey, look, Bitcoin is valuable, Bitcoin is the biggest asset out there in terms of in terms of crypto. And now we can actually use Bitcoin as collateral. Uh, for for financial applications or or DeFi. We can actually use Bitcoin in lending. We can uh, have smart contracts where, imagine that you're able to kind of like have a stable currency that is backed by Bitcoin or or backed by Stacks that is earning Bitcoin. There are all these like different possibilities. And then then on the NFT side, right, like having uh, these NFTs that are anchoring to Bitcoin or having auctions where people can directly purchase these things in, in Bitcoin. And I have liquidity for, for secondary markets and Bitcoin and so on. These are fascinating, fascinating areas. And in general, much less explored uh, than some of the other layer one blockchains or, or more specifically Ethereum. We have seen a lot of these applications on Ethereum, but I think the area, uh, I would say that there's more greenfield on top of Bitcoin and potentially larger markets on top of Bitcoin. And the developers who realize that, I think they, they go through that sense of like, oh, this is a pretty... Uh, interesting market and there are so few players here, I can come in and I can, I can try to build these things out before before others. And that's, that's like very, very exciting to see.
0: Definitely agree. Well, it looks like we are out of time for this week, but we are going to continue to do these on a weekly basis. Um, thank you so much, for me, for taking some time to chat. And thanks again for everyone who submitted questions. Um, if you enjoyed your time with us, please do subscribe to the Stacks YouTube channel. Um, we're going to continue posting further sessions. If you'd like to learn more about Stacks, please head to stacks.co and check out the Stacks Accelerator at stacks.bc if you're interested in building on Stacks. Um, and if you'd like for us to cover additional topics or questions next week, um, please let us know. There's going to be information down below in the description. Um, and thanks again, and see you next week.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Dina.